0: This yeah, is. We welcome have... to uh, Josie and Robin's book shambles you can do the welcome if you want because I you. did it what, last one I think
1: hello welcome to Robin and Josie's book shambles oh, um, <laughs> just doing, we're pretty keen it was just yes, nice, nice. yeah nice um,
0: um we are joined today by Ronald LeDrew, who uh, has spent... His, his, his whole career has basically been as a uh, a puppeteer. And Claudia Hammond, who was our previous guest, when she said, who's your next guest? And I said, Ronald LeDrew. And I said, he's puppeteer. And uh, he was the puppeteer who did Zippy. He went, no! Really? <laughs> it's very and exciting. It's interesting. So to start off, just let's start there. Okay. It's so... Iconic, those things which are because Rainbow, I suppose, was it 15 years or so? Certainly... Oh, well,
2: I mean, 20 years for me, believe it or not, started in 1972, and I joined it in 73.
0: So. And those things where there is something about that almost Proustian rush
1: hmm. of
0: felt <laughs> nostalgia that occurs with, you know, because this was part of, you know, three it's part of your mm-hmm. childhood, yeah, part yeah. of my childhood. So, that reaction, as when when people find out you're a puppeteer, Zippy, and, you, and you've just shown us a wonderful uh, small
2: version it,
0: of yeah. of Zippy as well, what has that been like for you? I mean, does that kind of define you as a puppeteer?
2: Um, I hope not, but it probably does a lot of people because obviously it's a, you know it's on, been on telly. Zippy was this iconic, you know, naughty. Um, character, so, but no, I mean I like to think that I'm a puppeteer that not just worked Zippy, but did loads of other characters as well, I mean I've been very lucky Oh, through my career, I've worked Muffin the Mule, which was the very first television icon puppet if you like you know started in 1946 so that's one of the
0: most iconic things we've got at my mum's uh, i keep bringing up my mum's funeral but i I gathered, <laughs> I gathered together things for the eulogy and one of the things we had is an old metal that's muffin right. Mocha, mule yeah. which would have been like one of her first toys so we still but when we were kids because of course the strings had long gone we would just yeah. try and tie bits of of just normal string it turns out that's not really how marionettes work, of no, lumpy no, string.
2: not lumpy string. I mean, funny enough, the, um, the puppets in um, in Burma have sort of lumpy string on. That's traditional. Don't ask me why they do, but, the, you know, Burmese puppets, these wonderful sort of, they're all dance sort of figures and move around. This is me, this is radio, but I'm moving around like mad. But, um, no, it's, um, it's just one of those things. No, we usually have curtain, um, I'm going to say curtain cord, that's terribly wrong, it's not. It's um, carpet thread, black. Carpet thread carpet. normally, which is strong and it, it it sort of lasts a bit. Rather than the nylon strings, I'm not madly keen on nylon
1: strings. Have you done a lot of travelling? Uh, uh, sorry, just because you mentioned in Burma, yeah. like, is is there a kind of world puppetry community that's actually quite well linked?
2: Well, there is. Yes, there's a, there's an organisation called British. Well, there's British Unimar, but there Unimar, which is, I'm afraid, I, I can't tell you what the whole thing is, but it's 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 sort of um, linked to UNESCO. So it's got there's a puppet, a unimass centre in practically nearly every country worldwide, and a whole lot of puppeteers, you know, group together there, and they they put on festivals, puppet festivals, and
1: because you don't need a common language, no, so you can no. literally we, go anywhere.
2: Exactly, uh, I mean, there, a lot of the, I mean, most of the stuff I do does rely on, you know, me speaking, but. You don't have to. I mean, music. You know, mime. It's all. It's look at me. I'm still doing it. I'm so aware very of me doing perfect. this, no, moving so my I hands about.
0: You can imagine that's the thing that I like about good. when people are listening. Is, <laughs> if they're listening to a puppeteer, they don't even know if you're real. They no. may well be presuming that above you is a giant man ah, with carpet thread manipulating yes. Ronnie LeDru, who until this very point in his existence <laughs> never knew that he'd actually been created by an elderly carpenter who couldn't have children. Oh, Sorry sad. to reveal Geppetto. this now. Oh
2: dear. He? Sorry, Geppetto, dear. No, but. I mean they... <laughs> well there you go
0: so we're starting with Zippy and then we yeah, will yeah yeah okay to... sorry i rather with... sort no, of no it's no, brilliant um, that's so this is. you
2: did you you didn't do the voice for Zippy not you? at the beginning no in fact the very first voice artist was a guy called Peter Hawkins who's again iconic in the world of sort of voiceovers because he did things like Captain Pugwash he did Bill and Ben Flowerpot Men um all those early 50s things when the sort of children's puppet television puppets were sort of in their in their infancy really he he did he was there he, he just was around at the right time in the right place and got you know did a lot of the voices and so he did the original zippy voice which sounded a bit like oh zippy. it was a bit slow and a bit sort of like that anyway you know worked to the first couple of series or whatever and then um roy skelton who was the one that we all sort of remember um, sadly, no longer with us. But he he took over from Peter because I think he Peter was going on to other things or whatever, and um, he made the Zippy that we sort of know—the voice which oh, it's much more like that. oh no Jeffrey. And then when basically I sort of started doing Zippy's voice partly because I mean I listened to it for you know I was under the table operating this puppet and Roy was sitting in the studio not unlike this no no a bit bigger but um, and um, he'd be you know over in his side there he had his television monitor and he had his microphone and he had his script and he'd be reading the two characters because he actually did the voice of George as well you know Zippy's foil the pink hippo which was rather lovely and so you know he'd go I'm George and all this sort of stuff he would just talk himself. yeah he would be sitting there in the studio we'd do it as live so I would have to sort of lip sync to his voice, which took a while to learn, mm. you know, because normally one is doing it yourself and it's a bit easier, mm-hmm. but listening. In the end, you just, but what I suppose for television, what was interesting was the fact that I was looking at a television monitor and I basically, would sort of see just see the puppet going I, it's weird it's not like a normal puppeteer's view of a puppet you know your your head's stuck up in the air you 're looking up at the sort of this puppet up on your hand there it's not the same, but was suddenly i'm seeing what the public what the viewers would see, and there it was zippy doing his thing, and so listening to the voice it all became it sort of it sort of linked in much easier i don't it's difficult oh. to I'm not a psychiatrist i don't know why <laughs> but somehow that you know made it easier and and as the time went on because it was a sort of job that I thought I'd be doing for six weeks and ended up doing for 20 years because it just was so popular really the program got more and more popular not that I knew so much about it I mean I wasn't a face I'm still not a face which in a way I quite like not being a face of
1: uh, I think that's a really unusual experience isn't it because I've got a friend who's in Balamori Miles, Miles oh yeah yeah and, and so what it Is is that there is a section of there is an age range who when they see him are like, (gasps) and then and but it's sort of very specific because it relates to how old people were when it came out during that precise period and what it meant to those people, and so like in some ways. That's a very weird thing to have for your whole life, is that there will be this swathe of society mm. that recognises you always in this very specific context. You know? Well, I imagine for Jeffrey, you
0: know, that has been mm. a problem because you become... And for things like some of the Blue Peter presenters, yeah. have been here for a long yeah. time. But I find the weirdest thing is when you meet someone, I won't say which CBeebies presenter it was, it was at a gig of mine, and they were quite drunk,
2: <laughs> and I didn't know
0: they were CBeebies presenter them. Uh, because I didn't have a, t- and now I've I've got a son, and we watch CBeebies and I go, hang on a minute, that's insert name here. Oh, hey kids, hey, we're- and you you create this. It's a preposterous thing because of course they're adults who are going out and drinking mm. and having mm. some form of life, but nevertheless, you merely see them in a pretend helicopter collecting <laughs> different felt giraffes in some kind of safari-based adventure <laughs> on a low budget in
1: Salford um so So, basically you could get away with boozing it up absolutely and you destroy no one's child
2: absolutely this is it and I can hear things like you know I can sort of mention it might come up in conversation you know at a party or something like that and I might not mention that I'm anything to do with the brand they might just oh you know what what I loved I love rainbow did you
1: tell me more exactly
2: (laughs) and so you'd hear that you know the truth actually most of it they was positive. I very rarely... Most... Some people, I hate to say, some people used to hate Bungle because why was Bungle the bear, this bear on the programme for? You know, what was the connection between Jeffrey and Bungle? And Bungle you know, was and
1: really a killjoy...
2: Yes, he was. He was, was really a bit. sort of, you know, yeah.
1: telling everyone off. And yeah. I remember that a lot. Yeah, he yeah. was
0: Yeah, he was the kind of prim. I would agree. I would say that. Uh, and it's an odd thing to have two puppets that are in that kind of, you know, coming up yeah. through the window. <laughs> so we know that. And, and sure. then having some poor, you know, guy. Okay. Absolutely. But we should mention about Roy Skelton that oh, yes. probably everyone knows this anyway. But Roy Skelton Daleks. was, of course, also the voice of the darlings, yeah. which is mm. this beautiful thing. I know. Which is to, you, the, the so move in sense. your childhood mm. from going now at the age of three. I need felt and comfort.
1: Now, at the age of six, I need to be scared. <laughs> exactly.
0: And, and Roy Skelton
1: continues yeah, with that. But once you know that, it's so obvious. The yeah. voice is really Yeah, yeah. and it is there, is.
2: there is a sort of, isn't there? There is a sort of similarity. But, uh, no, he was lovely. He, I mean, lots of all the sort of um, props guys and scenes guys in the studio, you know, we'd, sort of, we'd only be there two days a week, the rest of the time we'd be rehearsing or whatever. But uh, they'd all say, oh, come on, Roy, go on, do your zip, you know, do, not do zip, go on, do your darlings. <laughs> you know, and out would come And, you know, he was always doing, you know, doing that for people which was fun
1: how did you get oh sorry how (laughs) did you get on with the puppeteer who was George's puppeteer oh
2: very well I mean the very first puppeteer I worked with was a lovely girl sadly she's no longer with us either Valerie Heberden and she was a puppeteer I'd worked with at the Little Angel Theatre before I'd sort of joined so we sort of knew each other I think in the times in the sort of 70s 60s 70s during that time there was probably not as many puppeteers around um, working in perhaps the media as there are now Mm -hmm. so most of us sort of knew each other from other jobs and stuff like that. So when it came to the sort of meeting, I thought, oh, you know, I wasn't too nervous when I joined because partly because I, the guy that was working Zippy before me, was um I'd known at the Little Angel as well. So we, we know as puppeteers, we we were a bit of a gang. So we got on really quite well. And Valerie was lovely. I mean, she was very gentle, very quiet. Uh, so, I mean completely a bit different from me I think I was probably more like zippy in a way I quite but That's enjoyed... perfect isn't it Yeah absolutely absolutely
0: What is it is there a would you say a kind of psychology of of puppeteers or that you could break it down to the different kinds of puppeteers? because I think that um Nina Conti I know this is mm. a different thing but oh, yeah. know, when when Nina did her documentary uh about being a ventriloquist and also her relationship with Ken Campbell yeah. which is a real I don't know if you, have you seen it Josie it's a remarkable mm. documentary now of course with, with a ventriloquist what you see is the really great ventriloquists are basically their id almost yeah. all of the things that you must keep in yeah. and Nina does it so brilliantly as do a lot of the people in that documentary she is voicing her forbidden thoughts mm. but it, and so mm. she can admonish those thoughts as well going yeah. why are you saying that monk what are you doing yeah, exactly. and it's and also an incredible journey in terms of her understanding yeah, you know, the relationship she had with ken campbell but i would imagine puppet that's not quite the same
2: thing no you're right it's not quite the same um there are times when somebody might you know irritate you you're you've got your puppet on and somebody's just going on and on and saying, like, oh go on do that you know something like that and you think no i want to get on you know and so you might just say oh well, i think you should you know, I'm to it in the zippy thing but you know oh, go be do do be quiet or ha. something like that and you think and then, and then I'll say, "Oh, of course, I'm Dodo, don't do that. You know, <laughs> we shouldn't. Do that. It's very rude." And in a way, you're you're sort of you know getting out your yeah I don't know your frustrations for somebody being a bit rude in that way. But and they it, sort
1: of will be like, "Oh, how funny!" Exactly, exactly.
2: <laughs> and that usually calms them down. I mean, it's quite. It is quite. I don't know. I don't think about the psychology of it all, but um, yes, it does work. Uh, it certainly does you know people do but I don't have that too often thank goodness
0: you know. well let's start with we'd better go on to books which is yeah, first of yeah. all so you and actually just briefly mentioned mm. you, Little Angel Theatre has come up quite a lot yeah. so can you give a little bit of the background so Little Angel Theatre this was the late 60s where that's you were right yes
2: I, well basically 1963 I arrived at Little Angel Theatre age 14 so you can guess the age 14 of tar- I know I mean I discovered it because I'd sort of got a Pollux toy theatre you know the mm-hmm. little cardboard cut up theatres and at the back of that there was saying, you know, there was a sort of theatre mention of a, a puppet theatre or a place you could go. And I thought, oh, I might like to do that. I'd also done Pelham puppets, you know, the ones <clears> that you could buy in the shops. And so again, I'd written. I mean, I I think I was sort of obsessed with puppets from early Don't know why, you know, again, you know. But anyway, um and I wrote to Bob Pelham, you know, he was and and he wrote back and said, Well, this is his puppet theatre. So I, anyway, That's I visited so organized the organized for fourteen. I know I was a bit like That's
0: that. Brilliant. It's like it? Claudia with a ring folder filled with colour codes. Not reading.
1: So I'm sorry to interrupt. No, they're those no, mad people we have on uh, this show. But <laughs> they just like come along, come and meet us, and then
2: yeah. basically
1: that was that. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. I mean, I did. I met John Wright, who was the founder director of the theatre, along with the rest of the company. who are very small. It was only about four, well, four, four people there at the time, and it was, you know, it was an old Temperance Hall in Islington. <laughs> I mean, and um, quite rough and ready really I mean, you had a sort of letterbox opening for the proscenium arch you had old collins musical seats which were wonderful a bit of tatty but they were for the you know the audit in the auditorium raked wonderful the exit lights from collins musical um they were lit by night lights that's one of my jobs when i first joined but anyway, I went, saw John, and he said, well, you know, wonderful, do come along. You know, you know, we're, we're happy to take you on. You seem to have been, you know, you're really keen. And I'd already met a few other puppeteers before that, so I'd sort of dropped a few names in. And he thought, oh, I'm sure I'm impressed. Oh, well, I hoped he was. Anyway, um, and um, so I did. I went back home said, Mum, Dad, got a marvellous job. And they said, oh, yes. What? And my father, being a teacher, said, I said so um, what would be the wage for this? <laughs> and I said, well, actually, the wage will be that I'm going to get wonderful training and, oh. and you know it's going to be marvellous and they really like me and I like them and it's going to be fun. Said, so no money I said no money and they went off into the kitchen and I thought oh dear you know because I should have stayed on at school and all that sort of stuff or of course that wasn't going to happen anyway they came out and I was a bit nervous and they, my mother winked and sort of smiled and said it's alright we're going to let you do it you know for about you know, give you six months anyway and see what happens I mean I lived, lived in a council flat so we didn't have masses of money or anything like that but um, it was very sweet of them. And I managed to go along and, I mean, basically I'd swept the floors. I made the coffee, you know, did the change, scene changes. I <laughs> I mean, I didn't really do any operating because that's what I really liked.
1: But I can imagine you'd be sweeping the floor and then you pick the broom up and you'd oh. be like, how are you tonight? Yeah. You know, well, maybe, the <laughs>
2: maybe, yeah. I certainly was, I mean, I I was full of it. I mean, I, in the lunch hours, I'd, I'd, I'd rushed through a quick, well Islington was very different to what it is now but it used to be sort of little old caps and stuff in Cross Street which is just down the road from where the theatre is and you know two and fourpence you can get you know shepherd's pie chips and piss it was what the lady used to say and you say pardon no no peas dear but no you know she couldn't pronounce it anyway I always remember that as a kid I thought that, oh that's rude but anyway um, <laughs> it was quite quite funny so I mean money you know I, was, I skimped and saved I used to eat the chocolate biscuits sorry little angel, you know, the, the sort of quietly and just to keep me going and stuff like that. But uh, no, in the lunch hours i rush back and start working puppets, mostly marionettes in those days, that's the string puppets. Um, but then as time went on, and I, again I joined at the right time because the theatre was beginning to sort of um, well, it was learning to get its audience. I mean, Islington again was a bit of a distance, you know, wasn't quite the West End, and it was only a sort of 80-seater theatre then, and so there wasn't a lot of people um, coming, uh, taxi drivers didn't know where it was. Nobody huh. heard heard of it. And there was um, a few people from the Hampstead sort of area because John Ryder had, had a studio in Hampstead and had a lot of sort of arty friends would come along. So the first few weeks from the theatres existence, it wasn't too bad, you know, people would come. And then gradually, you know, the sort of locals didn't know anything about it. And there wasn't that many sort of nice Islington people with their families living in that sort of, at that time. And there was always sort of Camden Passage and... You know, um, Compton's Terrace and all that were very posh, nice, posh Georgian houses and stuff. So we used to, well, we did printing. We printed our own leaflets. We'd answered the phone. We did everything, basically. And I go around putting leaflets through the letterboxes of people's houses, hoping to get an audience. And we sort of, you know, we gradually did. Islington Council eventually um, used to um, sort of well I'm going to supply the children it wasn't quite that but give us some money to perform shows during the summer about two weeks in the summer where all the local kids who've never seen any theatre I don't think or anything at all were able to come into the theatre from the local flats and these council flats and stuff and that was quite an interesting you know thing because John always always performed shows that were suitable for adults and children so there was a sort of adult content always in, in the shows, especially with the marionette shows. So see, is that a problem, though,
0: that's interesting, when you say the adult mm. content?
2: Because I was, I think sometimes,
0: like when I go and see pantomimes, mm. sometimes I think, oh, no, you've, you've pushed it too far. You've got, you know, that thing where there are jokes, which mm. are adult jokes. Doesn't mean they have to be rude jokes, mm. either. Mm. They're uh, some of the best children. And so Eric Thompson, I oh, think, with Magic wonderful, Roundabout, wonderful. that was an incredible piece of work yeah. where he... It has, has reference to Sergei Eisenstein in it, but it didn't yes. matter when you were a kid. When you were a kid, him suddenly saying, I am a camera, yeah. didn't, you didn't then go, "Mom, Dad, I don't get this at all. They seem to be using, you know, post-war Berlin reference points from various different writers, Faber and Faber writers. Yeah. But you get that balance. But do you find sometimes, have you worked things where you thought, hang on a minute, let's remember what this audience is?
2: Mm. Um. Yes, I think what's interesting—it's about for me—it's about the character of the puppet, and the, if the ca- character is really strong and believable to the whatever audience is there, they won't mind what you say. You can say, "Well, Einstein did this," you know, whatever, and they will just say, "Oh, well." They might not know who that person was, mm-hmm. but they would take it in. You know, that this that that character knew it, so therefore it must be right because that character is, you know, that I believe. That makes
1: so in... much sense to me that the idea, because it feels like with you know. Oh, sorry. It feels like with like any kind of fiction, you need to feel like you've got a real person to hook onto and then you can get away with anything. See, I'm, mm. I
0: find it interesting taking my son to things over the, the first few years when he was going to theatre, mm. that some of the things that were the worst were the ones which appeared to have a bigger budget, like we can create, the best stuff was things like we took him to see Bagpuss. Oh, was
2: lovely. Really was sad it the Soho story, theater. yeah. Well, I worked on one of the productions oh, of that did as you? puppet um, coordinator, yeah, did teaching you? the actors, yeah, lovely, lovely show, I loved it. And it's beautifully
0: and simple. Isn't it? it? Isn't it? It's, you know, there's two Emilys. Yeah. There's the young Emily That's that you right. would think of in the opening credits mm. of Bagpuss, mm. and then Basically, the Emily who... And the kids, fortunately, don't really pick up on this. A very melancholy story. Basically, her father and, and that... You feel is kind of Oliver Postgate yeah, figure really has died, yeah. and she returns to the shop. But it's all just picking up the mm. puppets, and then they slowly kind of you know put their hand inside backwards, and then it just and the same with the fact in the Night Garden. I went to the oh, production yeah. of that yeah. again. Yeah. It was all very simple puppets, mm. and the kids are all leaning forward and they're excited. They don't need mm. it to be mm. a level of CGI
2: no. because once
1: you're in that environment, oh yeah,
2: exactly. I totally agree. I totally wanted
1: to agree. ask you about that. Have you have you seen many things recently that you would recommend? Kind of in, in theater like what's what kind of puppetry do you think is really good well I say,
2: well obviously i'm going to say war horse because that was good. like the you know one of the turning points I think in in the last sort of decade, I suppose of it just because so many people just you know mm. took in the fact that there was you know two guys under the you know inside the horse and one outside sort of moving its head and all the rest of it, and it was so real, I mean people just believed it, and it's the power of the puppet again, you know wonderful um. Avenue Q, do you remember the tour? Yeah. that? that yeah. was, I mean, it's a totally different show, but the energy and the sort of power of that, I mean, again, a different audience. Fantastic adult audience. Um, the E&O doing, in fact, I think they might be still doing it, or oh, bringing it back. Uh, Madame Butterfly, they had a puppet, the little boy in Madame Butterfly oh, was wow. a puppet, you know, is a puppet. And um, that's very interesting. I mean, we're very lucky. The Royal Shakespeare have done, you know, sort of done puppet, um, collaborations with a little angel we did a one of um, shakespeare's sonnets the venus and adonis which was a fantastic um piece um, i shouldn't say that although i've worked in it in one one of the sessions we did but it's a, an amazing piece um and that was you know just well that was very special uh years ago though we did a production of um stravinsky's soldier's tale which was um originally a sort of theatre that was started in the sort of I think around the first world war end of the first world war that sort of time and it was a sort of staged on a sort of cart and things like that it's basically about the devil who who um tries to get a soldier to give him his soul which is in in, in the soul is actually in, in in the story is a violin and he plays and so he, he's trying to get the violin off him. And that we did at the, at the Queen Elizabeth Hall in 19, I think, 69, that sort of time. And we had Daniel Barenboim conducting the English Chamber Orchestra, young Daniel Barenboim. Jacqueline Dupre was still around, which was wonderful. She was wow. an amazing personality. And um, we did, I think, a week or something there during that summer season. And that changed, I think a lot of the sort of press uh, oh, I'm going to say theatre critics music critics idea that maybe puppets have got something. We use big black theatre puppets. Now black theatre puppets basically are puppeteers dressed up in black velvet and you have lighting from the side and you stick your puppet into the beams of light from the side and the puppeteers disappear. I mean it's quite used a lot uh, certainly in Eastern Europe and we sort of nicked the idea I think from there because again Eastern Europe has an amazing sort of uh, puppetry um, tradition where they've kept it alive go, it's never. It's always for everybody it's not, um, for instance, I mean in Moscow you've got the Moscow State Circus, you've got Moscow, well you've got um, the, 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 what's the name you've got the Moscow State Puppet Theatre and everybody goes to the puppet theatre, everyone goes to the circus, everyone mm. goes to the ballet, the Bolshoi and all the rest of it and to the theatre it's just taken for granted that you did those sort of things, it was all part of the regime um, whereas we rather Left that behind. I suppose when the Industrial Revolution came around, really, we we sort of thought, oh, and then you know, Punch and Judy kept. kept yeah. its, uh you know, um, oh, get, it's all really alive. bad.
0: It's terrible when you see bad punching oh, and Judy. It's awful, isn't My it? My son also did it when we were down at where was it? It was near Corfe Castle. I can't remember the name of the little Dorset town. Oh, right. He must have been about three, mm. and very early on watching it, he thought, "Hang on a minute!" And he actually went behind and looked under and could so he could um, see the man bored. I think he was just—he's always been a little bit like, "How's that work?" Oh uh, yeah. And so yeah. it was, and I think he might be a bit bored. Mm. Uh, but I was there, and then of course the other children. Oh, I'm going, get I can get course. away, and there's a you know, you can hear there's a kind of increasing tension in the uh, the squeaking <laughs> yeah, voice, yeah, in
2: the swazzle, yes, yeah. You know,
0: who I still do Soldier's Tale, Christopher Lee. Christopher oh, Lee. really?
2: How In town hall? He read uh, read the Soldier's Tale, How marvellous, that lovely is, voice.
1: Is Punch and Judy the thing that people, when they find out you're a puppeteer, go, Oh, yeah, what do you think of Punch and Judy? And you're like, Oh, yeah, oh. I mean, that
2: does come, of course, it does, and it's great. I mean, I go every year to the May Fair, which is in Covent Garden. Which is the sort of Punch's birthday? You know, I think it's 634. Gosh, I've done. i, don't I might got the year wrong. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> anyway, in, every year they celebrate his his birth, as it were, coming over to this country. Which was Samuel Pepys wrote in his diary, sort of saying, "You know, I saw this puppet show, and it's <laughs> wonderful." And it's outside the St Paul's, Act, the Actors' Church, is a plaque there, and you. And anyway, in the garden behind St Paul's Church. 40 or 50 Punch and Judy men all set up all their, wow. their booths it is and then f- I mean fight they do no no no. <laughs> then we release
0: a real crocodile.
2: Yes, indeed, to scare about the audience. The crocodile, oh yes, it? crocodiles. Yes. There's the hangman. There's all sorts of things. Yes, that... the hangman. I know. You, you
1: only ever think about Punch and Mrs. Punch. They're the headliners, aren't yeah, they?
2: Yeah, yeah, and the, the, the baby. baby, the policeman, the yeah. policeman. Yeah. Yes, the beadle. Oh, there's lots. of I mean, they, they, it's fabulous story, really, because um, basically it's kept, I suppose, puppetry alive in this country. Because even though some, you know, you've, we've had all the criticism. Over the years, in a various sort of, but it isn't. It isn't the main thread of the story. I mean, it's a, he's a. It's a, this prankster. You know, anybody that upsets him, he just knocks with his slapstick, which is a, a stick. You know, where get comedy. That's comes where from. slapstick.
1: Yeah. The term comes yeah. from. Yeah. yeah, that's hilarious.
2: That's why
0: we have you here to learn, Joseph. <laughs> it is <laughs> embarrassing because no, it's I. It's not embarrassing at No, he's not badly
1: about. read at all. But I'm here as the everyman. Why you know everything? No, no, I was the everyman. No, no, you're the wise old boffin. Right,
0: we're nearly at the end now, and we haven't started on the book. So welcome no, we to haven't. Robin and Josie's puppet shambles. I mean, can you um, show us let's what now doing? see. By the way, I what should I like mention I like the Lorax. I don't know if you saw the Lorax at the Old Vic.
2: I didn't. That, that, that was
0: a lot of fun as a puppet show lovely. as well, and that yeah. was a hope. For, I don't know if it's going to come back or not. Um, there was a really nice musical. You know, Doctor's Use. Yeah, absolutely was great. fabulous
1: this is a dictionary of puppetry it is now why have I got
2: that oh no don't (laughs) (laughs)
1: no I shan't no
2: no, basically I I brought that along because um I mean there are loads of puppet books there's too many in this world but that one was lovely it was published by a mentor friend A.R. Philpott who was known as Panto Puck in the business died many years ago now but he um I said I want to be in that book because he was doing it and I said dictionary of puppetry you know this is Sort of nineteen sixty-five, I think, or something like that. Anyway, he put a picture of me in there, which is terribly <gasps> sweet. Working well, can a I see. yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it's in there. Um, you've it's got to in, work. You it have out. to work it out. Yeah. So oh, in the no. next ten minutes, no, I'll find it for you if you can't find it. But anyway, I, I brought this that is along. The
0: strangest dictionary version of Where's Wally that we have <laughs> ever played. Yes. So dictionary of puppetry. We'll find it now. You've got a, a little stack of oh, books there. I found and you,
1: I found it. No. <laughs> no, that's obvious. I'm, I'm just going to.
2: No, um, it's only a small pit. It might be carry on to the next lot. I and think one. it's in oh, the next imp lot. Imp of Mischief. Imp of Mischief. That's that was one name. of Panto's characters. Wonderful.
0: Well, while Josie's doing that, yeah. so the next one you've got is Roll Roldow.
2: Well, basically, I brought this one along. I love Roldow as a kid, you know, but this one I particularly like because we did a puppet version of it. The Little Angel did it last Christmas. The giraffe, and, it, giraffe Pelly and, Pelly and, me. and me. And it's a completely oh, mad story, but I love it and loved it. I played Little Billy the Boy. And um, we just had such fun.
1: Do you have any sort of characters that you most prefer to play? Like, do you have, when you look back at your career, do you think you've always chosen a certain type of thing?
2: No, actually, this is what's the nice thing about puppetry. You just don't know what you're going to be next because you're you're not sort of limited by your physical, you know, your physicality, as it were. You know, you you can be a mouse in one production, a lion in the same production. There's no problem there. So, um, no, I, I I I don't know. I mean, of course I love doing zippy. I loved working Muffin the Mule. I worked Muffin the last, you know, ten years ago, I did for his sixtieth birthday. It's just coming up to his seventieth birthday now, so I'll be doing something for that. And then um, I suppose I love doing Sweep because I saw Sweep as a kid, yeah. you know, on television. So um, you know, So here. when did
0: you do Sweep then? When was uh, well, I did it in nineteen
2: seventy seven. And uh, this is the I one have you found you. me? Is I'm holding a sort of a boat. boat. So that, yes, that, that, that,
0: that would have been with uh, Harry.
2: With Harry and yeah. with Matthew Corbett. Math- right. Basically, Matthew was one of the singers on Rainbow. I was at Thames uh, rain- with Rainbow, with Matthew. And um, Harry son- suddenly had this huge heart attack, which meant that he oh, couldn't God. sort of front the show anymore. Um, but he was well enough to be in the show, but not to front it. So Matthew sort of decided that he would have to leave Rainbow and take over and did 25 years as, l- as long as his dad did, actually, fronting the show. And Matthew, because he knew me and puppets and all that, and I was a bit mad on them, he said, well, you'll have to come and do Sweep, because he'd done Sweep for a couple of series before. So there you are, there's Sweep. <laughs> anyway, you've got to be quiet now, Sweep, because um, you know, <laughs> I'm doing the talking. No, it's all right, oh, poor old thing. So there he is. And this is the one that they Harry gave me at the end of one of the series we did. I did about three series, because the producer of... Um, of um rainbow was also the producer of um sooty and i uh, the fact that i i absolutely adore doing sooty was the fact we went out of the studio we went and did a lot of location work you know i was sort of filming in a swimming pool sweep swimming and sooty swimming and all the rest of it or you climbing. Climbing. i you drowning i'm drowning <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was such fun um and oh all sorts of things climbing you know um Trees, we were i was up on a high tree with the puppets looking down, you know, saying, what are you doing up there? And all this sort of nonsense stuff. And you know, you had to sort of literally, um, you go to a location and think, now, how can I hide a puppeteer there? You know, it was great. So you'd sort of find, and the cameraman was very important, you know, to get my arms out of the way and just because you know, they're quite small puppets, as you can see, yeah. they're not very big. In a way, that's an advantage because, um they could uh, you know it was a bit easier whereas Zippy is a bit tricky outside you know he's he's just he hasn't got any sort of legs although the one I've brought in has got legs but he's very much a sort of Muppet style where the camera has to cut him yeah the bottom bit off and he's bigger and he's a bit more difficult too. Over, look. there he is you've got quite very, a teddy very... boy haircut yeah. I know well that was I was what 16 I don't know whether I was 16 then something like that so, Sarah. if you're
0: looking in your uh, dictionary of puppetry, <laughs> you need to find above left, harness to support boat in brackets
2: with hand puppet. Yes, I know. Isn't it a bit sad? But they, my name is mentioned in the front, which was terribly sweet. That's you know, as, as as illustrated. So I, I was quite happy about that. So that's. I mean, there's that. There's so many different puppet books, but I thought I'd just bring that along.
0: Um, are they looking at the role Doll yeah. draft Pelly Me, are there other books that you you really wish that someone would adapt or that you thought of adapting that uh, you know, children's things where you thought, Oh, this w- hasn't been really thought of being done with puppets before, but this would be the perfect book to do. Um,
2: I haven't as yet. I mean what I try and do and try and do as much um, sort of um, original stuff as possible because there's an awful lot of adapting, you know. You know, puppet shows from books and stuff. Not that I'm against it. We've, we've, i uh, in fact, I was in a production which is a lovely book which I didn't bring with me. Um, the um, Dogs Don't Do Ballet. I don't know whether you've heard of that one. It's a little kid's book by Anna Kemp and it's fabulous. And it was, a, it's basically about a little girl who's about seven. This is for very young kids. It was a two-hander show. And uh, she takes her dog to the ballet class because, you know, she does her ballet a Saturday morning. And there's a Miss Polly there who, um, You know, can't bear the thought that dogs are in this ballet class. We do not. But the dog is absolutely mad on ballet, absolutely wants to be a ballet star. And the whole story is that, um, to make a long story short, um, poor old um, main ballerina in the Covent Garden or wherever suddenly falls off, (laughs) does a pirouette and falls off into the orchestra pit and shock horror, you know, how can the ballet continue? Well, from the wings, little dog comes on and in a pink tutu and saves the day uh-huh. and that's the sort of so dogs can do Bally and <laughs> but I mean it's that is a fabulous book and uh, we did that for three years we did it one you know three years ago three a uh, Christmas season of it and then we toured with it and then we did and we were asked to come back to Little Angel to do another you know next year because they loved it um, we then I did Ipswich last year uh year before last, I beg your pardon, with dogs. So that's that's been successful. I mean um there's all sorts of interesting stories um that can be I suppose be used for puppets. As long as they're visual and, and a bit quirky, then mm-hmm. I think there's something about um, you know, puppets that you know, that can do and, and enhance the book rather than just sort of yeah. you know, um copy it and and I mean, for instance, for me, my, the idea for me is that words aren't terribly Um, most the most essential thing with puppets it's the visual content and the and the sort of their their reactors they react off each other and the situation they're in Mm -hmm. uh i mean words of course are important to keep the story going along but not it's not like doing um you know a play where you know the actors will spout out amazing sort of um speeches if a puppet does that everyone goes to sleep because it's they're not so what it's there it's for. not what's there. It's exactly. It's not what it's there for. Do you it's think it like what...
0: using slides where someone has, does a lecture where there's just loads of <laughs> oh, what they're yeah. saying. No, oh. don't do that. Oh, we, don't we don't need do, that. I saw one that. like that the other day. Oh, no. You're about to say it. Now you can read it as well. Oh, that's oh. terrible. I
1: am. Um... Do do puppeteers have like other creative disciplines they like and dislike? Because I feel like comedians will often be like, "Oh, actors don't even write their own stuff, you know." And like the puppeteers,
0: puppeteers like then actors say nothing at all because no one wrote their reply to that comment. Bad
1: luck, actors—you've been burned. (laughs) (laughs) But like, do puppeteers like? I don't know, like oh dancers, oh they wish they could do puppetry, but they have to do it themselves. Oh or...
2: well, that's interesting. I mean, I actually love dance as well. I well, mean, I can imagine they're, really you know, they're It is anything musical. I, I mean, I loved all the old musicals, of, you know, um, and the old films. Uh, it's mean, Sunday afternoon for me was to sit in front of the telly and watch the Sunday matinee and going right back and I'm um, sorry this says I'm By the skipped. way just when you mentioned it, just because
0: yeah. people haven't heard of this channel there is oh. do you
2: know the channel Talking Pictures Yes I do it's I amazing
0: What's that? It, it, they basically I can't I remember what the companies that own it I but they know. show all of these really old predominantly British films yeah. they've obviously bought a whole load oh, wow. of them and you'll see things like sometimes with Michael Redgrave in, yeah. in Stars Look Down mm, by AJ Cronin yeah. it's really weird lovely weird British horrors I need um, to get Cable or something. Well I, d- I only see it around my dad's house And it's like we'll sit down there And, and I go oh yeah I haven't seen that oh, well, We don't want to watch Old Mother Riley meets the vampire With Bella Gosien <laughs> and Arthur Lucan But it's just this fantastic All of these forgotten pictures And mm. some of them are remarkable mm. in there And they show a lot of BFI shorts as well Things yeah. like the, the brilliant John Schlesinger Terminal so oh, if you've yes. never seen that with Terminus. It's yeah. Terminus, yes. Which Terminus, is yeah. All about Waterloo Station. It's yes, kind of partly fictionalised day oh, at yeah. Waterloo Station in 1960.
2: Sorry, Talking Pictures is brilliant. Talking Pictures is fabulous. Um, and I mean, I've got my next book I'm going to show you is, um, is, is a wonderful book. But I love biographies, basically. And it's Charles Lawton, who is one of my absolute all time favourite actors. Um, and all the different characters he's done his life you know it was it was simon amazing. Callow's, but wonderful Isn't very it? lovely man and brilliant book
0: uh also wrote a great book uh, or two i think at least two Orson volumes Wells. on awesome Wells, yes absolutely but charles lawton well, i i find it the speed in which actors have gotten now charles lawton is probably for a lot of people now oddly enough best remembered for night of the hunter which yeah. almost destroyed
2: him as, I know. Uh, as a director i mean th- I, I agree I it's a shame I this oh this is a wonderful movie's um I'm trying to remember um what's the one where he was the policeman and it was um oh it's gone out of my head now which is This is called, exactly what it's like with Les Misérables Miser- L- Le, Le yeah. which is fantastic for made about 1936 or something like that maybe a bit later mm. but he's it's brilliant you he, it's, it's amazing
1: but that's why he's fallen out of public consciousness yeah. because I think before about 1950 mm. It's it for some reason it's just too early for kind of mod- what seems canonical in yeah. modern terms and
2: Billy Wilder's
0: Witness for the Prosecution you can watch oh, that in straight with Marlena wonderful! Dietrich. but he was a remarkable wonderful. there's a great thing if you haven't heard it Trunk Records which is a great, a great website place. which has lots of kind of old records you can download oh, and right. it has um, the record that came out with Night of the Hunter with Charles Lawton reading the story with bits oh, of the soundtrack as well fantastic so I now, highly I, recommend that oh
2: that is great thank you
0: so that's a very good Charles Lawton Simon. Simon and, you know,
2: his wife, Elsa Lanchester, was uh, a sister of a puppeteer in this country. I mean, this is sort oh. of I, in a link. Um, Wardo Lanchester, who started the London Marionette Theatre in way back in 1920, something like that. You know, amazing. So, and he lived in Stratford upon Avon towards the end of his life, and he was an amazing chap.
1: Did they stay so. married their whole life?
2: What Charles Lawton and... Uh, they did. Um, so they, so it, was uh, happy? there were sort of various... It's a funny old marriage. Going. It's, it's a, one of those times yes. when sometimes
0: <laughs> actors would have funny old marriages together. Yes.
1: OK.
2: So, so there we read are. the book and you'll
0: yeah. find out. Yeah, um, before 1967, sometimes people had to have funny old marriages. Oh, yeah. right. OK. There we go. That's right. enough I'm on board. In. <laughs> right.
2: in the long... I mean, Roy Hudd. Um, it's lovely. I mean, I love... Love him because we did a lovely puppet uh, film together or television series called um, *The Puppet Man*, based on another English character puppeteer called Walter Wilkinson. And um, this is a *A Fart in a Colander*, and it's his um, biography, and it is, uh, uh, it's wonderful. I mean, he's just—he, I don't know where you—I mean, a great Radio Four listener, you know. Sorry, Radio Four listener. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I'm the age, but I mean, we will do it. Radio Four round here, don't do you? we? Don't I can think? do my yeah. proper Radio Four
1: voice. Can you? Sometimes, when I'm thinking about something very deeply, I think to my that's my that's my proper. That that's for it. Jody Long, four thirty Monday. <laughs> <laughs> now he was a wonderful
0: crew as well. Where I he, I do think this was a terrible title, though. I think I know, fart in a I title, know. people didn't may not have gone for it because he, he worked with Dennis Potter, of yeah, course. I know he did. You yeah. know, Max. Ha, he owned some of Max Miller's suits. You know, great yeah, history. Dan Leno, yeah. his, a
2: musical collection of musical um, musical uh, songs and stuff. You know, he's got. He's a, he's a great. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Really, I did wonder, but I never asked him. I never said, "Oh, what? What call it? A fart in a colander?" But um, it's 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 lovely. It's him talking, and um you know, he obviously you know, he talk, and he even talks about the sort of puppet film in there, which I thought was quite sweet because it's only a minor thing compared to his you know Dennis Potter stuff and all the other bits and bobs but uh, he's a lovely chap i just saw him in panto this year he played his first dame aged you know well he's 80 now he's just had his 80th birthday such and, a natural
1: comedian oh well, he is he?
2: he is and he's got a lovely wife as well she's gorgeous and um they're just lovely i spent when i was in ipswich doing dogs don't do ballet they put me up for a weekend just to catch up and i hadn't seen them for ages and you know absolutely Fabulous couple, very funny. They've got chickens, they've got dogs, you know, they've got two gorgeous cottages all sort of put together, rather lovely. But I mean, down to earth, his stuff is everywhere and he knows exactly where it all is, you know, I love it. He Absolutely used to do lovely. wonderful
0: shows, uh, which you can probably see on YouTube, some of them where Looks Familiar was one, I think, which was, I think that was him, but he would do these shows where he would have old stars like Alice mm. Faye when they were, mm. and there's a terrible interview with Charles Hawtrey, whose oh, wig yes. is on straight, unfortunately, and you can see Roy Hug going, let's go to another clip. Charles Haltry is too drunk to do this interview. Exactly, exactly. We've got two minutes left, so oh, let's my pick which one of those books are you going to choose?
2: Um, I think I'm going to choose Sugar Girls because that's they're written by my authors of my book, which is about to come out, we hope, fingers crossed. Duncan Barrett and Nuala Culvey, and it's The Sugar Girls, and it's based on the women that worked at the Tate and Lyle factory in the east end of London. And um, just... Just before the war, and um, it's it's again it's about their lives and how they lived, and they were very poor. And um, but it's again it's a fabulous book. I loved it. It got um, a good. I think it was the Sunday Times best book of you know something or other. It got a nice um, a, a, you know plug for that for that. But it was a it's a lovely book. It's um, as I say, it's all, they're they're just fun fun characters I suppose it's because you know I oh, love it's great. characters
0: Ca- character by, so it each is. chapter
2: is you have Ethel followed yeah. by Lillian
0: followed by Gladys exactly. and then Ethel and Lillian Gladys back oh it's great
2: yeah no it's so, lovely it's well worth looking at it's so really very lovely.
0: briefly your book which we will uh, you're, you're you. currently working on uh, on, on, a, on a book with those authors as well that's right girls. Yeah,
2: and it's basically going to be called Zippy and Me and it's about my, my life really um, you've heard a little bit about it but I mean there's loads more and um, To tell, so hopefully, um, it's on Unbound, which is this wonderful um, website where people will pledge for a copy of the book. Hopefully by the end of the year we'll get enough to get it published. Well, it
0: is. If you, it, it, It's Ronnie LeDrew, and that is IE at the end of uh, Ronnie Le separately and Drew, as in the past of drawing a thing, unbound.co.uk. And uh, it also reveals some pretty sordid um, stories about Muffin the Mule. Oh, yeah, yeah you've <laughs> got to say something like that, you see, to get the money. Oh, I see. You won't um, the,
1: believe what you're going
2: to well, say. Not yeah, so yeah. much sordid with Muffin, but maybe a little bit of naughtiness with Zippy and George during the ring. Rainbow oh my day. gosh mm. it's a very lurid puppeteer's life back yeah.
1: the book <laughs> listeners please
2: um, pledge
0: I, I should cooking. also mention I'll talk about this more another time which I hope we get him on someone else that I bumped into at the Stoke New Interliterary Festival is John Dowie and John Dowie was uh, a pioneering comedian wonderful uh, comedian who uh, I think his last kind of major work was uh, Philip K. Dick he also did what was it called Something Dog uh, he did, uh, did oh, a wonderful children I've seen that show. it was wonderful yeah what's it called I can't uh, remember anyway John Dowie is working on his autobiography as well uh-huh. and I think that's also on Unbound so both the, the oh, you know, lovely. in terms of history of, of, of entertainment uh Ronnie LeDrew and John Dowey. Look them both up on unbound.co.uk. Uh, also, if you like puppets, there is, uh, I did a puppet series, uh, felt versions of Professor Brian Cox and me. Oh, yes. Uh, with Josie Long's voice. I do a voice. Oh, is oh, is you you as do well? a voice? do you? Lovely. She I appears. have seen it
2: online. It's lovely. And YouTube, isn't it? I'm yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. It's yeah. Quest
0: yeah. for Wonder. It's on the cosmicgenome.com uh, site, but it's Quest for Wonder and it's Brian Cox and me. As, as, uh, as puppets and idiots, normally we're merely idiots, but we're puppets as well in this, <laughs> (laughs) Um, so that thank you very much for for that Ronnie. thank you lovely um, pleasure thanks
1: Josie pleasure yeah (laughs) Uh,
0: so and also thank you to Trent who uh, is uh, the producer of this show and uh, we will be back probably next week I would imagine with another one thanks very much for listening to Josie and Robbie's book Shambles bye bye Thank you very much for listening to this. Obviously, you can find out more about both Cosmic Genome and Book Shambles at cosmicgenome.com and then forward slash shambles. And thank you very much to everyone who's supporting this podcast. This week, we'd like to especially thank Louis McCallum, David Newstein, Phi Cooper, or Fee Cooper, uh, or Fee Cooper, Bob Thompson, Martin Atkinson, Neil Peters, Deborah McPherson, Tony Frisbee, David Dubois, Abley, oh no, I'm going to say this wrong, so you're probably going to stop saying this now. But A.B. Burke, Tom Harris, and Payne and Pierce. Josie Robbins Book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions. Thanks. Bye.